for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified livecast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Once again, for the people that weren't here yesterday, I do want to wish you all a happy new year. It has been an interesting 2022 to start. We went from here in Waco, Texas, we went from 80 degrees to 20 degrees in about 12 hours. So it's been a real shock to the system over here. Anybody that's in Texas is probably feeling the exact same thing. But my next guest is up in New York, so I'm sure it's been 20 <laughs> degrees for the last three months. <laughs> Actually, no, it's been it's been rather unseasonably warm. Ah. Like today, it's it's rainy, but it's not too bad outside. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so it, I think that's just been kind of the uh, census across the entire country. It's been unseasonably warm. Yeah, but you know. Joining us today, we have Kiki Hawkins from the Kiki Experience. How's it going today? All right. How you doing, Tom? Thank you so much for having me on Live and Amplified. I'm pumped up. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I'm excited to have you here. I'm doing well. It's the first podcast this, well, not this year, but in a while that I've had to wear a hoodie. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I was like, oh, I forgot. This is what 20 degrees feels like. Yeah. Yeah, man. And, you know, it, and look, it's nice and cozy in my house. I don't even have on. <laughs> I don't even have on anything but a t-shirt. Well, and I'm trying to keep my electric bill down because last year when we had that snow, the the ice yeah. the snow thing, yeah. my electric bill got insane. So it's like thermostat sixty seven <laughs> right there. So the one thing that you don't ever have to worry about if you live in a building that has good heat in New York. Yeah. That's one of them. You'll never, you'll never be cold if they have good heat. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, luckily enough, during the summers here, it's not too bad in my apartment because I'm like mm-hmm. under a bunch of trees. So it keeps my apartment uh, nice and cool. Yeah. Against me in the wintertime because it <laughs> keeps my apartment nice and cool. No sunlight can get through. Huh? No sunlight. So, oh man. Which is fine. I don't mind. But, First off, I do want to thank you so much for jumping on. I'm really excited to sit down and chat with you. You were kind of a late addition to the lineup because I think you signed up, what was it, like Wednesday, Thursday, like right before the new year. Yeah, I think, no, maybe it was uh, the week, the week of Christmas. Has it been about a week? Maybe. Yeah, I would, I would say so. Yeah. But But I know you're you're busy, so it's hard to keep track of all of these fabulous artists. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really excited to sit down and chat with you and uh, get to know a little bit more about you and what you got going on. Uh, So for the people that are just getting introduced to you, um, what is kind of your uh, background into music? Who got you started? Like the just a real basic outline of your introduction to music. Um, Basic outline. I started out in the church, um, seven years old, singing in the choir. Then I went to the Baltimore School for the Arts, where I was trained as a classical singer. Went to a Juilliard School of Music and then Catholic University, because I kind of switched from performance to music education. 
And after that, I kind of was ready to step my foot, my feet into the pond. And so uh, I went to Atlanta for a quick minute. And then when I came back to New York, I was like, I'm ready to do this. And I started touring professionally. I think it was 97, 98. Mm -hmm. And uh, the first artist that I worked with was Billy Crawford. And I literally had never been out of the country. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, how I got this gig, I was standing in the subway. This is what New York is all about, man. I love it. Standing in the subway, minding my business, had my headphones on. I was singing and two young ladies walked up to me. They were just like, oh my gosh, you should audition for our producer friend. And I was just like, "Uh, okay. I took the number, called. Let me just tell you, long, short, short end of the story. I got the gig. Five days after auditioning, I was flying out to Oslo, Norway. Can you believe it? That's crazy. (laughs) I I will say that is the one benefit of living in a big city like that, because I was introduced to a musician. I was flying to Chicago to visit family one holiday, and I was walking Mm -hmm. through O'Hare Airport, and there was Mm -hmm. a busker sitting I, I don't remember if it was going to the garage or outside the garage, whatever it was, there was a busker sitting there and she was mm-hmm. playing guitar. She was doing like just acoustic covers for the most part. Mm-hmm. And I was like, she is amazing. And I like she in Chicago, you have to have like a performer's uh, permit type thing. And you have, yeah, to, have, to, have it in New York too. Yeah. And so <laughs> it, like I went over and I kind of looked and I went and looked her up and I was like, Mm-hmm. why are you busking at O'Hare airport right now? You should be like anywhere else just yeah. making headlining money and all that craziness. So that's it, a part of the process though. Yeah. You know, it really is. It really is. So <laughs> you're, you're from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you moved to, then you moved to New York cause you went to Juilliard, right? Am I right? I okay. And, right. And then you went to Atlanta and then moved back to New York. And that's kind of where you've been since. Right. That's where I've been since. Okay. Um, so when you're first, inter- who first introduced you to music? I know you said you were kind of, or that you went through the church, but who uh, first introduced you to music? <laughs> See, this is already going to get me in trouble because different family members have said <laughs> different things. From your, from your recollection. But, just so, to I, keep- I would, I I would have to say, I would have to say, you know, my mom and my grandmother that, you know, they, I went to church and that's kind of where it all started. I was standing there seven years old on the children's choir. Mm-hmm. And one day I was, you know, singing and my choir director and her assistant turned around and they looked at me and they were just like, oh my God, like they mouthed those words. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Because I'm seven. I didn't know. And after that, they came up to me and asked me if I wanted to sing this solo this Sunday coming up in church. And I was like, yeah. And I was, I was so short. I, I really, I, and I'm still short. <laughs> I'm only five, three, but I was so short then that I couldn't even stand in front of the church where people could like see me up front. Mm. Yeah. So the pastor came and put me in the pulpit and I don't know I would have to say that was the beginning that was the beginning of recognizing that I had a gift Mm. recognizing that I touched people Mm -hmm. 
and just you know just the power in that yeah, just the power in that Gotcha. So you're, you're <laughs> after this uh, first experience, realizing that you have a gift, what's mm-hmm. kind of the next steps after that? Do you just kind of keep singing in the church or do you start taking singing lessons or w- where do you kind of go from there? Well, I, I truly, um, I mean, I was singing in the church still, but I was truly inspired by um, this television show called Fame. It used to come on every Saturday and um, I would watch Debbie Allen and just I was in love with all of the people and just the whole concept of like, wow, a school like this can exist where people are just going there for their art. And it just it seemed so joyous. And so I was I, I was like, I begged my mother to find this school. And surprisingly, the Baltimore School for the Arts was yeah. that school. I mean, and I went and auditioned. And uh, I remember I remember my voice teacher. Mm-hmm. She I didn't I wasn't her student yet at the time, but I remember her sitting in the room as I took my audition. And uh, that that started the complete pivotal turn in me even being introduced to classical music. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to sing classical mm-hmm. music and uh, Jean Carter is her name. She is probably, no, she is the only voice teacher that I've worked with. Wow. And she is an amazing vocal coach. And she literally took me to the height of my career with the uh, classical music anyway. Awesome. And I guess Juilliard is a telltale sign. Yeah, <laughs> um, we'll definitely yeah get into the types of music that you were singing and what mm-hmm. what you were listening to and stuff as you were going through the Baltimore School of Arts. But what was the audition process like? Because I we don't have a lot of musicians mm-hmm. that come on here that went through like an arts school like that, mm-hmm. like that. So I'm kind of interested what the audition process is like. Well, if I'm remembering correctly, my mom had to just fill out an application, submit it, and I had to prepare two songs. Um, so when I went in, I believe one of the songs I sang was Amazing Grace. And uh, I don't remember what the second song was. And basically, that was the process. And we had to wait a little bit of time whether to see if I got accepted or not. And I got the acceptance notice. And... I started basically in what, 87? I'm so dating myself right now. (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. Um, And so when you get accepted, you're going there primarily for singing or is it one of those situations where they try and diversify you? So you're like taking dancing classes or other. Well, they had the specific, uh, uh, you know, industries that you wanted to go in. So I was in music, they had theater, they had dance and they had visual art. Okay. And we also had academic classes as well. Like it just wasn't, you know, yeah. all art. And I thought I was going there for jazz. I, I wanted to be a jazz singer. Okay. Yeah. And then you, yeah, I completely agree. So yeah. as you're kind of finding your voice as a musician, even before yeah. you go to, uh, Baltimore School of Arts, who are some of the musical influences you're listening? Who are you listening to? Who are you taking influences from? Oh, boy. Um, my parents used to listen to 
so many different people. I grew up on like disco and funk. So like Shaka Khan, Rufus and Shaka Khan would have been um, the Temptations. Uh, any, Anita Baker was probably one of my favorites. Like my first vinyl album was the Manhattans. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I was listening to just a variety of music. Uh, Mahalia Jackson is one of my favorite gospel singers and so, yeah, I mean, it was Stevie Wonder, like I, the list can go on, like, truly. So I was listening to everything, everyone, because that's just that kind of household that I was raised in. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I, I've, I've said this several different times on this podcast that you find that a lot of the, like the really talented musicians have mm -hmm. that wide variety of influences like mm -hmm. from soul to funk to you know mm -hmm. rock to pop you know like just mm -hmm. you run the wide gamut of music and you can pull little influences from all of it and it just mm -hmm. it just to me it's really interesting to see how all those influences help mold their style and just kind of mm -hmm. diversify them to make them more mass appealing if that makes any kind of sense Oh, no, it makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Um, you know, we're influenced by everything that we see and hear, whether we are conscious of it or not. And um, I'm just grateful to have been exposed to some really good music. And I mean, even now, like, I, I don't, it, the, the World Wide Web has made everything so accessible and, and there's so much more music out there. It's quite overwhelming at times, but you know, that's, that's the beauty in, in finding good music, yeah. really I, good music. Like the last few, last like few weeks, I've been on a real kick of Aboriginal death metal music. <laughs> okay. I, I, I want to understand what that is. Aboriginal so, death music. Death metal music. So basically, so basically it's just heavy metal music, death metal music but they're incorporating like native instruments. So like, oh, for, wow. so like for like the big, um, and I call it Aboriginal music just because I can't think of a better phrase for it. It's like just okay. me making up a genre, but like the big uh, band that's out there right now is a band by the name of the who the H U. So they're mm -hmm. playing the playoff of the who and they're a Mongolian <laughs> death metal music. So they are mm. band. So they bring in like Mongolian instruments, like native instruments. Really? Wow. And they do like Mongolian throat singing and all this really cool oh, stuff. So wow. I have to, I have to check out some that this sounds interesting. I, can, I have to check this out. I did a whole radio show dedicated to na like native uh death metal music so it's mm. i will have to send you the uh the uh rundown list of music yeah please do i definitely will check that out because i think right now i'm, I'm kind of all over the place with what that could sound like yeah oh it's <laughs> it's wild let, let me just mm. say because as you go to like different cultures mm -hmm. it it's it's wild so but, um, so I'm wondering what the spiritual takeaway from that is. Like, how do you how do you spiritually vibe with that? Since um, we're talking so, about some it? of it speaks to me on a it like just motivates me to 
think outside the box, but some of it's just kind of like, it seems like a little low hanging fruit. Like, I don't, it's whatever, but, um, it, it, it just inspires me to think outside the box mm. and look at stuff that I wouldn't normally look at as influences, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so. no, no, that's cool. Can't wait till you send it to me. Yeah. I, <laughs> I've got the link right here because I like, I've gotten into this habit of just making random Spotify links and uh, so, or playlists, not links. So, okay. Um, I could definitely send that to you. Um, Thank you. So anyway, so uh, Baltimore School of the Arts, um, mm-hmm. and then you go graduate and move on to Juilliard. Was that yeah. like a similar audition process or how did you end up going or deciding you wanted to go to Juilliard? Um, well, a few things happened prior to that with okay. me being um, – the 1991 Presidential Scholar in the Arts and um, singing at the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts. uh, That kind of put me like right in the line to audition for Juilliard. And uh, I got accepted with a full four-year scholarship and uh, to work with Daniel Farrell. So... That kind of just, all of those things, all of the accolades from the Baltimore School for the Arts and working with Gene Carter and, you know, that just Mm -hmm. transitioned into me going to the music school and continuing, you know, with classical music at that time. So we, Mm -hmm. I just unintentionally skipped over very important points in your life i'm sorry about that so no no it's all good i didn't just like say oh i want to go to julia you know really where i wanted to go was manhattan school of music but Uh because i wanted to work with adele addison and i just didn't get enough scholarship from them so juilliard was one for me anyway my voice teacher she really wanted me to go there because that would have transitioned well to me going to the Metropolitan Opera House if I yeah. wanted to continue with uh, classical music. But, mm-hmm. you know, the path is the path. Yeah, absolutely. 100% agreed. So <laughs> you, you had all these accolades that helped guide you kind of to Juilliard where you didn't mm-hmm. really want to go, but it ended up being... <laughs> It ended up being a, it, I, th- I would say it probably ended up being a good decision because you can't like sit there and reflect on, oh, what if I went this way or what if I went that way? Uh, you know, that's. Uh, yeah. That, that's no, a- it was, a, it was a valuable experience. I definitely will say that. Um, it was a valuable experience. I'm glad that I had the opportunity mm-hmm. um, because I think it's important to know success as well as failure. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And, but was uh, New York always the place that you wanted to end up as you Um, kind of grew up or was that a later? I would have to say that was probably the place that I really dreamed of. That's where I knew I would be able to succeed and expand in my, Mm -hmm. you know, Baltimore comparatively is, is a smaller city Mm -hmm. with a, not as many opportunities. And I just, I wanted to be in a place where I knew I would have opportunities. Now, what those opportunities were, I don't think that I had thought that much about it. I just knew I wanted to be in New York. And I basically, <laughs> look, I have, I have because I've met so many great people at the Baltimore School for the Arts, but like one person that was kind of like a big sister to me, 
um, Jada Pinkett. She was there at the time when I was there. She was two classes ahead of me, mm -hmm. but still very open. You know, she would her and my sis, uh, Chris, Crystal, would go to New York all the time. And then they would come back with all of these great stories and like house music and all of these places that they've gone to. So that kind of just like added to my desire and drive to want to be here. Like mm. I, it's a lot of people that have influenced, you know, my desire to be in the business. Yeah. So yeah, I, I came here and I, I felt at home when I, when I got here. Nice. I yeah. like the casual nature in which you just throw out Jada Pinkett's <laughs> name. Well, then let me casually throw out there Tupac as well. <laughs> okay. We were all classmates, but you know. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, that is absolutely. I'm like now that you brought that up. I knew he went to Juilliard, but I didn't like. No, he went to the Baltimore School for the Arts, oh, he... not Juilliard. Yeah. Okay, I thought he went. No, he didn't go to Juilliard then. No. Okay. No. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, that's really cool. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Um, it's the Kiki experience. Yeah. <laughs> great, great day, which is kind of um so after you graduate in Juilliard, great experience. We'll, we'll kind of chalk it up as a great experience for you. And then once you graduate, where where do you kind of go from there once you graduate from Juilliard? Um, and, you know, to be honest, I didn't graduate from Juilliard. I actually ended up tra um, transferring to Catholic University. And uh, I started working with my former vocal coach again, Jean Carter. And uh, after staying at Catholic U for about a year, I was just, I was ready to make the transition to uh, being a professional singer in the music industry. So I did not complete college but yeah. that's okay that it's all about the experience like it's, yeah you know you know when you got what you need and you can kind of just absolutely. move on to what your goals are absolutely and i think finally now the social norm is catching up to that where it's like you don't mm -hmm. necessarily as long as you know what you're talking about or know what you're doing you don't necessarily need to have that fancy degree so well yeah in, in I mean, certain respects. Yeah. Yes. In, yeah. Um, so you decide you're ready to start pursuing music professionally. Mm -hmm. um, and then you start working with other uh, bands and musicians to do their thing. Uh, let, let's kind of walk through that whole process once you okay. leave the Catholic University. So uh, the first person, like I was saying before, I went out with was Billy Crawford. Mm -hmm. um, he was an artist signed to V2 Records, which was Richard Branson's uh, company at that time. And uh, did that tour. And then I start after that tour, I worked with Khalees. Mm -hmm. That's where I. Uh, wow. I was, in fact, working with Khalees. And this is this will tie uh, Billy Crawford back into this. Okay. I was uh, we did a tour in the Fuji in, in Japan. Mm -hmm. We were in the Fuji mountains, I believe it was. And we were coming back. And this is funny because Destiny Child, they were just like they were on the rise. They had their I'm a survivor song out and they were sitting in the airport and we all came in. Khalees band came in. So it was Destiny's Child and their dancers me, Khalees, and all the other band yeah. members. And then Nona Hendrix 
was on that flight as well. Nona Hendricks from the girl group LaBelle. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my friend Portia, she was sitting in front of me and I saw Nona, we were on the plane by this point. I saw Nona walking up and I was just transfixed on her. I was just like, I'm going to call her into my energy, into my space. This woman is going to know who I am. We're going to meet. And before I knew it, my friend Portia turned around and was like, Nona, do you know Kiki? Kiki, do you know Nona? And I met her in the irony about meeting Nona at that time and her becoming my mentor later was when I was on tour with Billy Crawford. One of the songs that Billy was, was, it was actually his single, I believe, was titled Urgently in Love. And Nona Hendricks was the vocalist on that song. And for the tour, I had to sing her part, unbeknownst to me that I was actually going to be meeting her and working with her like, She's been my mentor now for over 20 years. So how great is that? So that's amazing. So- <laughs> that's, that's amazing how that just kind of works out. Like full circle. Yeah. It was crazy. Not, not to date you, but just kind of taking all the references. I was probably mm. in about eighth grade at this point. <laughs> no, we, we have to be about the same age. I'm only 34, so... Okay. Well, that's okay. I, I love my age. I'm 48. Okay. I was going to say, I, I, I I know I like, I used to have the exact opposite problem where I looked a lot long, a lot younger than I did. And now it's just like, (laughs) I think I'm starting to look a lot older than I do. Cool. Amazing. No, no, you look good for your age though. You look good. Um, But yeah, so just as you were kind of dropping the groups and where they were, it's like, yeah, it was probably about eighth grade at that point. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, this was in early 2000. Yeah. 2000, yeah. 2001, something yep. like that. Yep. Yep. Um, and yeah. then, then you start working with some other artists who are some of the other artists you worked with. Uh, I worked with uh, Raheem Devon on his love experience album. Did some background vocals on that, on his song catch 22. And uh, then I started working with a uh, Q-tip. And that was a really, that was such a beautiful project, Kamal the Abstract. Um, I did about five or six cuts on that particular album. And uh, Sun Singleton was another vocalist on it. Also, Aisha Morris, um, Mm -hmm. who is Stevie Wonder's daughter. Mm -hmm. She was also another vocalist on that album. Chris Scholar. Um, I believe Robert Glasper was on that album as well. Like it was a plethora of wonderful artists. And that was kind of like a fusion of jazz, hip hop. I, there was even some classical up in there. And then, um, I also did a Q-tips work it out single with him. So I was a featured vocalist on that. I've worked with Angelique Kijo. Um, wow. I mean, just Another little funny story. I was in South Africa. I was eight months pregnant with my daughter and I was singing with um, Angelique Kijo. And the only time that I had actually heard of Miriam Makiba is when I was, I looked at something on the Cosby show. That's yeah. when I was first introduced to like who this grand woman was. And this was such a beautiful moment for me. I was able to meet Miriam Makiba, I'm eight months. This this is the mother of Africa. Yeah. 
and I'm eight months pregnant with my girl child singing with Angelique Kijo. Just, I just feel like all of the moments that I've had in my career have just been divinely blessed. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I, I don't even know how else to put it. So that's, those are some of the people that I've encountered and worked with and had the opportunity to break bread with and sing with and talk with. You know? That's amazing. And, yeah. and I'm sure we could sit here for hours and having very similar <laughs> conversations about all the different experiences and stuff you had. Um, mm -hmm. But if we did that, then there'd be no reason for you to come back down the line. <laughs> no, we got it. We got to definitely be back. And, yeah. and you know, I, yeah. I'll have my music by then. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so speak. So now you're ready to, uh, start doing your own music, putting yourself yes. out there as the Kiki experience. Yes. Um, how long have you kind of been toying with this idea and how much did the pandemic kind of mess with your plans or. Wow. Um, well, I've, I've been kind of working well toying, I guess, with the idea of being the, or coming into the form of, the Kiki experience now for about maybe 10 to 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, I I personally didn't really know how to, I guess, market it, so to mm -hmm. speak, um, because I infuse so many genres of music together. Mm -hmm. It's hard to categorize it, but, and I stopped worrying about that. And I just said, well, let me just make music that, feels good and feels right to me and hopefully people will like it in terms of the pandemic it it stopped you know in terms of well first of all let me just say let me just send love and light out to everyone that has lost someone or has just been completely uh just broken down from this entire pandemic um the blessing if I may, the blessing in the pandemic has given the opportunity for, and I'll speak solely for myself, me to slow down, me to reflect, me to be with myself. And, mm -hmm. and, and really, I mean, even though we literally, but figuratively spend that time with myself, I did a lot of things in terms of going outdoors. I was working out walking, reading a lot. I just didn't have the pressure of having to show up and, or just anything because everything was shut down. So it gave me a lot of opportunities to write mm -hmm. and, um, and just produce some other music and, you know, connect with people in a different way, you know, because we had to stay away from each other. It, it's almost kind of like going back to a time where people actually talked on the phone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but, um, and I just, I've really got into meditation. Um, just trying to center, really center my, uh, spirit. Mm -hmm. So it, that, in that respect, it was a blessing for me. I started changing my eating habits. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a vegan. I, I probably am more of a pescatarian because I just have to have, I, I need some fish or something. Yeah. But uh, I, yeah, I, so all of those things just started changing and there was a real emphasis 
practice on my spirituality. So I just wanted to write, really delve deeper into myself so that I could create deeper content, um, content that <clears throat> maybe just spoke to my spirit and the spirits of other people just to help uplift and inspire mm -hmm. and motivate in some kind of way, everyone. That's actually during that time I was, uh, I got asked to be a part of this project, uh, Pumpkin Bones. My friend Je Jesse Krakow, he produced this uh, song with his friend Steve. And he and they actually did the project and they got several different artists here in the New York area to uh, contribute by writing and recording their songs um, based off of the tracks that they chose. And, uh, and, and I really, I really connected with the, the music and I, I came out with this and I don't know if I consider myself like an activist. I, I speak my mind, mm -hmm. but you know, I don't really try to get into politics and all of that yeah. stuff. Cause that's just the argument and I'm yeah. not trying to argue, but that inspired me to think about I was thinking about the Declaration of Independence and how you always see we the people, we the people, we the people and whatever the passages are. And I was just like, during this period, yes, we're on lockdown. Yes, this unfortunate situation is happening. What does all of this mean? And on the flip side of it, I was just kind of asking myself questions like, yeah, you know, we the people, we do deserve our security. Yes, we the people, we want to be treated like human beings because at that particular time, that whole George Floyd situation mm -hmm. had just happened. And just seeing people reveal their true colors, that was rather astonishing to me. I'm because I guess I'm a type of person that's very optimistic. I, I like to at least try and see the good in everyone. So I was just having all of these feelings about like, you know, just every, the police and how they were handling situations, civilians and how they were handling situations and you know, and just feeling like, wow, all of our civil liberties are being stripped. You know, we were also going through the voting thing. We were mm -hmm. going through the presidential election. It was so much stuff going on. And I wanted to write a song that just spoke my truth from a spiritual aspect, because I feel like we're star seeds. I feel like, you know, we have to raise the vibration Mm -hmm. We have to raise the love vibration. Let me be very clear. Yeah. In order to shift all of this negativity in the world. And if we all can collectively come together and see each other as human beings, despite your color, despite your sexual preference, despite, you know, wherever you live, or if you're older or younger or whatever, the commonality is, is we're all human. We're all human. And it's like, we're better than this. Yep. Or at least we should be working towards being better than this. So 
that's where that song came from, We the People. And that's actually my first single from off of this project. And I've already uh, done the video as well, worked with a wonderful director on that, Sekou Luke. Going to be seeing some great things. Awesome. I'm really excited to see. I, I, I love independent music videos. Like just because I think they're so raw and creative, but I'm really excited to hear the song in general, given mm. that there's so much ins I'm gonna say inspiration behind it. Mm -hmm. just, just so much thought that went into the entire song and how it how it connects and that connective tissue. So I'm really interested and excited mm. to just see mm. how it all comes together and how it works into yeah. the EP. Yeah, I'm excited about um, I'm excited about this too. I think I think how it works into the EP is just um, again me coming from the spiritual stance. Um, I write a lot of things that just speak on, especially young women, mm -hmm. us knowing our worth, especially in the time when you know you have people. Uh, diminishing your value by calling you a bitch, calling you a hoe or, and, you know, we have to, as women, as young women and women have to begin to have conversations and sharing with each other and uplifting each other so that we understand our worth and our value and our contribution to life and know that so well that regardless as to whether someone present because usually when someone is saying something it, they are lost themselves yeah so we have to begin to stand in our power mm -hmm. and to be rooted and to know that we are great we are mighty we are love we are light we are all of these beautiful things and no one can separate us from that and that's actually kind of where Kiki comes from because it speaks of the spirit. It speaks mm. of, you know, it's the energy force. Yeah. And so that's all of my songs are about positivity, uplifting, encouragement, and and tapping into the greater good of oneself. Yeah. And I'm really glad to hear that just because we need a lot more positivity this day and age. Mm. Every yeah, we you do. Go on, you got not to get political because that is like breaking <laughs> number one on this podcast. Okay. But you see, just like negativity in general everywhere mm -hmm. is like we need that positivity. Yeah, so, yeah. I got through that without bringing up politics. I'm ha so happy about myself right now. I'm happy for you too. So, oh, uh, so anyway, so the the name of the EP is the Kiki Experience. Is, or is you know you have I've been kind of toying with the idea of uh, maybe titling it unconditional. Okay. But I haven't, I haven't, I haven't decided yet. Okay. I don't know. So I'm kind of just leaving it out. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll do a poll and just kind of see what people like. I'll play a couple of the sample songs or whatever, and just kind of see that would be great if everybody could contribute. Yeah. You guys tell me what you think it should be. I'll come up with a bunch of different titles. You'll listen to snippets of the tracks hmm. and uh, we can make it a family affair. Yeah. 
see i've tried to do i've tried to do stuff like that before and then i come out more confused than i did going in like i'll go in well, so you gotta take a poll it has to be you know however many number people you know click yeah. on whichever one they like well i'll come in with like a list of four things like i work in the uh news business so i do a lot of like creative okay. services production and uh -huh. so like we have something that i need to come up with a title for it's like okay i like these four things i'll send mm -hmm. out a company-wide email say hey <laughs> I'm jumping between these four. What do you like? Or what do you prefer? Or, you know, whatever. Right. And like quarter of them like this, quarter of them like that, a quarter of them like this. And it's like, <laughs> you guys are no help whatsoever. And so, yeah. That, that, well, at least it lets you know that you have good options. Yeah. Especially if people are clicking on it. Yeah, so I'm still kind of up in the air with that. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yep. The only thing, the only thing about that is, is when it's so divided like that, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, if I pick one, I'm going to let down 75% of the people. No, maybe not. Maybe uh, not. In my head, like the insecurities <laughs> of my creative ability, it's like, Oh, if I pick this one, I'm letting down 75% of the people because I didn't pick their choice. Whereas if you have it like one where it's like one or two, where it's like, oh, this is 49%, but this is 50%. I'm only letting down 49% of. Or you could just trick everybody and just go completely left and have something that wasn't even on the list. And disappoint everybody. I like and just, it. You know, you got to find a balance. <laughs> I dig it. I so oh, yep, I dig it. I absolutely dig it. So um Kiki Experience, you got the new EP, no release date yet. But yeah. I, I did want to clarify. So the beautiful days video that you sent me uh in the yeah. email last week, is that a part of the EP or is that just a one-off single? Um, you know what? That is actually a part of the EP. Okay. Um, because I went back and I re-recorded it with you know, just, and had it properly laid out. This project that's coming out is my first like commercial release. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to just make sure everything was laid out properly. And so, yeah. And, and I'm probably going to do another video on that too, just mm -hmm. because how it sounds now is incredible. I can't wait for everybody to hear this, but yeah. So that's an older, that's an older okay. version a beautiful day gotcha yeah i just yeah. i had to ask and because it was it was like <laughs> sitting there at the bottom of the email it was like <laughs> that's why it's the, look this is why it's the kiki experience i have been working on these songs for yeah about 20 years okay <laughs> about 20 years so and then you know there's some new ones added to it and then there's some that i haven't even recorded yet Awesome. And so you, you've been working on these songs for uh, 20 years. Yeah. How, how's the, obviously there's been changes to the song because you mentioned like mm -hmm. beautiful days when you originally started mm -hmm. working on it, it sounds completely different now and all that stuff. But mm -hmm. how has your experiences over the last 20 years changed your musical writing and do, are you concerned wow. about stuff that you wrote early on that you're including in this album sounding completely different or having a different feel vibe 
whatever it is to stuff that you're that are more recently written? Um, well, I think in terms of what, what I will say is what has enhanced mm-hmm. is my production ability okay, I, and, and my songwriting ability, because when I first started out songwriting and I'm still, you know, that's a real skill that you have to develop. And mm-hmm. I feel like I'm just kind of scratching the surface with it now, but mm-hmm. I feel like I've always had like good concepts and ideas. And so it's kind of just like putting it together. But as I've gone on this developmental stage and uh, just writing, I've branched out and started producing mm-hmm. and being more of like the creative director in that yeah. respect. Um, so I definitely feel, well, I'm getting, I'm getting lost. What was the second half of your question? <laughs> it, it, it was just basically how, the, uh, how your songs differ from early on into I just kind of and- went back with with the songs now I just kind of went back and added some more musical mm-hmm. ideas or just slightly maybe change the structure okay. just a little bit to kind of make it a more cohesive gotcha so, so it's really it's been a developmental stage as I've gone along and picked up certain things from other artists that I've worked with and recorded with and just learning different you know uh, recording vocal techniques Mm-hmm. things yeah. and even singing background vocals on my own stuff and different techniques with that so yeah it's been a, it's been a process gotcha so you, you have with the stuff that you've written early on that you're including as you've mm-hmm. gained more experience and more like technical abilities you've kind mm-hmm. of brought those up to the same par as stuff that's been written we'll say in the last few years yeah. And you know what I also like to do, um, even though I have like the basic outline of, of the songs, I like to bring, you know, musicians in and but I want to also get their like creative feeling behind it, too. So I kind of leave room for people to that's I think that's what makes the magic. Mm-hmm. I, I've presented the idea. What's your takeaway from this? What, what do you feel from this? So and, and from your feeling from that inspiration, what can you add to it? So I think that's why I have like a really good project because it's been a collective, it's been a collective thing. I I didn't just do all of this by myself. I've just worked with some amazing musicians because I love the live element. And uh, Mm. again, it's it's the process of the Kiki experience. It truly, you have to experience me to kind of really understand the changes in that respect. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I, I I asked this question earlier in the podcast, but now that we're up to your current music project, as mm-hmm. you've been kind of working through this project and what you want it to sound like, who mm-hmm. have you been listening to? Who Like right now, who are you listening to to draw influences for this, for the Kiki experience? You know what? Um, <laughs> this is terrible. I really haven't been listening to anyone. I've been listening to like meditation music, um, just d- frequency music, just mm-hmm. to kind of really, because I'm about tapping into me right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I just leave the space open. I don't even, I don't even want to hear any lyrics. I just leave the space open by listening to my meditation music. Mm. You know what I like? What? 
I, you know what I like about that answer is because you've had all these experiences already that by, I don't want to say blocking out any outside influences, Mm -hmm. you're kind of tapping into what is authentically Kiki. Yes. Yes. And that's really the sole purpose. It's not to negate the other music, but I need to know for myself, like, who am I? Mm-hmm. What what am I? What what is this whole Kiki experience? What is this sound? What 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 does it feel mm-hmm. like? And so I want to be connected to what it feels like, mm-hmm. and that motivates me. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so it, you know, it, it it's also one of those things where it's. You could tell you're influenced by all these different musicians by going through this mm-hmm. process and kind of blocking out your uh, any outside influence, any like new outside influences, I guess is the way I'll word it. But mm-hmm. you could tell like, OK, she's she's influenced by this artist or that artist, but she's not mm-hmm. trying to mimic the success right. of other artists like we, we don't need the 300th person to mimic aretha franklin or you know whoever right you know like name any popular musician that people just try and copy and paste right how they perform and write and all that stuff so right um i i definitely keep in mind um because i do have like an alternative rock funk soul mm. type sound like um if i if i had to say if i had to name let's say three or four artists Mm -hmm. that I really see myself kind of in their vein. I would have to say that I'm like the female version of Lenny Kravitz meets Tina Turner Mm -hmm. meets Shaka Khan meets Nona Hendrix. Mm -hmm. And uh, that kind of, I don't know if that fits into like the music that's out now. Mm -hmm. I'm not, because I've focused so long on trying to initially create music that I thought everybody would like, mm-hmm. it kind of took away from yeah. what I liked. So now I'm just, I, I try not to think too much about that. It's just like, okay, either you rock with it or you don't. Mm-hmm. And, and this is me and this is what I love. And this is what I feel. And this is the, when I'm up there and I'm doing my rock stuff and I hear the guitar going off and I'm just like, in my element, it's like I, I I get transported to a whole nother place. And and that's what music is supposed to do. You're supposed to feel the music, mm-hmm. feel Absolutely. it in your being. So that's what that's basically how I approach writing. Huh. If I don't feel it, then maybe it's not maybe it's not ready or maybe it's not for me. Yep. I, you just answered my next question, but that, that works. Uh, actually, you answered my uh, next two questions because it usually because okay. the one thing I did want to talk about was like the alt rock and where that influence came from. But you pretty much covered that one. And then we usually go into like the writing process and the creative process. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll go ahead and ask that question anyways, because you just kind of lightly touched on it. When you're sitting down to write music, what is kind of your process? Um, I I like things to organically kind of just flow to me. Mm -hmm. I don't, if I'm having a difficult time channeling that energy, it's time for me to kind of step aside and and let it go. Um, 
I never want to really do anything that feels contrived. Mm-hmm. And most of the songs, and, and it's weird because that's why it takes me sometimes a little time in between to write because I'm I'm waiting for that to download, yeah, <laughs> to come through me because I, I'm very clear on the fact that through music I have a message for mm-hmm. humanity, and that message is going to evolve over time. And so I have to be in a place where I organically allow it to come through. That's kind of my process. But I write, I I might have ideas. I have several books around and I might pick up one or just pick up my recorder on my phone. And I might, you know, I have ideas all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just jot those down. Yeah. But so when you have the idea, the, when you get your ideas, it's a little bit more, spontaneous but when mm-hmm. it comes down to like organizing your thoughts will you do it right then and there or are you more disciplined with your writing where it's like nope i have time between 7 and 8 p.m that's when i can write yeah no i'm not <laughs> i'm not that artist i yeah no i have to just kind of let it spontaneously happen Unless I'm working on something that requires me to be, you know, specific like that and in a specific time. Usually um, if I'm writing like that, I'm working with other people. Mm -hmm. And um, and, and that's in that in that respect, you can kind of feed off of each other's uh, ideas or Mm -hmm. energy. So it makes it maybe a little easier, you know, in that Mm -hmm. respect. But. I've always been, that's why I started off saying that writing is a skill. Like, you know, I don't think that I'm the best writer. I don't even think that I'm a good writer. I just think that I write about things that are heartfelt to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because I've worked with Nona Hendricks and she's a wonderful singer, songwriter, and just, you know, other people that are great you know, indie artists that I know that are great writers, I, you know, pick up little things here and there. So it's again, a process and I'm still learning. Um, Some of the most skilled songwriters, you know, I'm sure what's her name, Diane Warren. She Mm -hmm. probably, that's probably a very natural thing for her. And she's a great storyteller. Mm -hmm. So I I just try to write in a way where I'm being honest Mm -hmm. I'm being transparent and then use some of the, you know, technical writing skills, like, you know, make it rhyme at the end or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. I just, I don't try to think too much about it. Yeah. Let it flow. Yeah. Let absolutely. it flow. Um, so one of the things that we like to do on Live and Amplified is pass on knowledge to the younger generation so that we can continue to enforce and encourage creativity and, you know, just being authentic to yourself. So for that young musician, whether they want to be a singer, a song, you know, like whatever they want to be, but they know they want to be a musician. What Mm. advice do you have for them? Wow. Um, I would have to say Honor yourself and what it is that you believe 
follow your own mind, mm-hmm. what you want to do. Don't pay attention to the naysayers because that's why it's important for you to believe in you, have faith in you and, and know that you can do whatever it is that you set your mind to. And probably the last thing this this music industry takes commitment. It takes consistency. Mm-hmm. Please be consistent. Please show up. Please be prepared. Please know your craft. Mm-hmm. Honor your craft. Know whatever you can know, learn whatever you can learn about it and master it and share it and be transparent in who you are and be consistent. I, I know that's a lot, but yeah. it, I just can't, I it, just can't say one thing. It's not just one yeah, thing. It's not just so, one thing. I 100% and have fun Yeah. and have fun. More importantly, have fun, love what you love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And love openly. Yeah. And then I, just to kind of stay in that same vein, but turn it a little mm-hmm. bit more into directly into your experiences as yeah. you've kind of been going through the, development of the kiki experience and what that project's going to look like in the upcoming Mm. album what's something that you've learned about yourself through this entire experience of developing the kiki experience oh what i've learned about myself is that i'm stronger than what i thought um i'm more patient than what i thought and Oh boy, that's a really good question. That's a a heartfelt question. I wasn't quite ready for that. Um, I would have to say that I'm stronger, really stronger, because this takes a lot. Mm -hmm. I've I've been working at this and I'm successful. Mm -hmm. I'm successful with my music. And if I had to go today or tomorrow, I've been around the world. I've worked with some really great people and I've been able to do what I love to do. Mm-hmm. So I just think, um, yeah, I, I would have to say um, I've learned to appreciate this, this ride. I, I've become more grateful and uh I'm just looking forward to step into this next level. Mm-hmm. And, and really express yourself because you spent a lot of the last several parts of your career helping other musicians express yeah. their voice and their message. Yeah. And now you're taking that bold leap of faith and just really absolutely putting yourself out there now. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when it's time Mm -hmm. prior to this point, I just wanted to learn, learn as much as I could learn um, the, you know, ins and outs of being a part of a band, Mm -hmm. uh, being a a supporting vocalist, uh, the writing aspect, the producing aspect learning how to register my songs, the administrative side of the music business. Um, You know, it's, it's been a lot to, to take in. So I've graduated and I'm moving to the next step uh, to share me Mm -hmm. and all that comes with me. 
Awesome. Awesome. I know. Yeah. I can't wait to can't wait to hear everything that you have to offer this world in the music as far as music goes and just in general. And I'm really excited to hear mm. the whole project. Um, oh, thank you. To, to kind of drive home the project. Are you, is it going to be a hundred percent digitally released or since you brought up vinyl in earlier in the interview, are you looking at doing vinyl? Like what's kind of the uh, release strategy? You know, um, it's definitely going to be released on all platforms digitally, but I'm thinking about uh, making the first single uh, collector's item and Mm -hmm. having like a limited number of vinyl copies, but you know, we're still working out the strategy mm-hmm. right now, yeah. but, but just know that when everything is together, it's going to, it's going to be good. And it's, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to awesome. be good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so I think that, if, yeah. If you do end up going with vinyl, make sure you let me know. I, I do. I absolutely will. I do. I am starting a collection <laughs> of independent musicians, vinyl. So. Really? I, anytime really? I go to anytime I go to a show, if they have vinyl available, I will buy it. Oh my goodness! Oh wow! Well, that that that's that's really supportive of you. That's really great. And the artists, we need that support. Mm. It's it's just one of those things where it's like, yeah, I know I could go to Spotify or you know one of the yeah. any one of the uh, streaming sites and listen to it, and if, I probably will. But just having that tangible physical mm-hmm. piece of artwork right like, that's what i miss about cds like you used to excuse me be able to read the insert look at the pictures and i don't i don't know how i feel too much about this digital thing I, it, it just feels so detached yeah and i not to go on a big tirade of the music industry in general <laughs> but i 100 percent agree <laughs> Okay, that's so good. We'll leave it. We'll leave yeah, it we're, there. we're only infusing positive energy yep. into this conversation. Yep, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. So to to kind of shift shift the uh, conversation a little bit into more mm-hmm. randomness and fun. Um, okay. W- outside of music, when you kind of need a break from life, what are some of the things you do? Oh my God! Okay. It does include music. Everything in my life includes music, but I am a house music head. I will go to the club and dance off of some house music all night long. So I love to do that. I love to go riding my bike. I love riding my four wheel skates. Let me Mm. preface that four wheels. (laughs) (laughs) Because I will not be breaking any bones. Um, Oh, I got a new toy for Christmas. My daughter just bought me the tabletop Miss Pac-Man game. Oh. So that's going to be, I know, I know. I'm so excited about it. And it's like, so that's probably going to be my number one thing that I love to do from now on. But I'm an outdoors person. I like doing outdoors kind of things, yeah. riding my bike, skating, you know, so yeah. sitting by the water. Yeah. You know, that kind you- of thing. My sister bought me, so I, I live in an apartment complex and I I like to grill and barbecue and stuff like that. Mm. And I can't do it at my, I can't do it in my complex or off my balcony because they got uh-huh. rules against that. Um, <laughs> and so I told my sister, I was like, we were having a conversation over Thanksgiving. I was like, yeah, I really wish I could barbecue more and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I have to go like out by the public pool and use the public pit. And it's just, 
that doesn't sound very <laughs> sanitary or appetizing. Right. And so she right bought now. me this indoor grill, like a smokeless grill that uh, a company makes. And she's like, yeah, you talked about how you like barbecue. And I'm like, yeah. And now I have this grill that I have to. Have you that, used it yet? Yeah. I made uh, steaks <laughs> New Year's Eve, which anybody that makes steaks, you know, you don't make it in the oven because that's just nasty. And then on that grill, it was. Oh, sucks, man. Oh, nice juicy steak yep. on your on your smokeless grill. Yep. And I got uh, <laughs> I got pork chops right now that are marinating so it's oh 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 you're trying to go in huh it's it's gonna happen and so yeah yeah, i'm really excited about that watch out your neighbors might be knocking on your door smelling uh, all that good food maybe i don't know we'll see um (laughs) so but uh so you're into miss pac-man being outside and going to clubs doing the yeah. uh well the house music house music because yeah house music yes who, who See, are some I, of the I, uh who are some of the artists that you listening to or is it just i mean it's it's rent it's ver- a variety of um mm-hmm. house music mm-hmm. you know artists that old school new school yeah you know gotcha. just just random house music i listen to like selection on mm-hmm. itunes or whatever so they yeah. play like uh yeah everything yeah everything yeah gotcha yeah completely interested so with it being the new year Mm -hmm. what is one thing you hope to accomplish in 2022 oh boy um um i hope that my ep will come out sooner than later (laughs) fair enough but um hmm. Well, you're asking me all of these good questions that I've really hadn't thought of. We're only what the second day into the new year. I know. I, I I don't really have an answer for that because I'm I'm kind of on track already and accomplishing yeah. the things that I want to accomplish. Um, you know what? No, I take that back. Okay. My daughter's my daughter's graduating this year she's a senior in high school so i'm really hoping that you know she'll graduate and then i don't know if she's going to stay in the city but wherever she decides to go i hope that you know we'll we'll get her there and she'll be nice and safe and comfy and you know and then maybe i don't know i'm think kind of thinking about leaving new york it's 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 a lot going on here Mm -hmm. You know, so maybe it, I'll move. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'll be moving by the end of the year. I don't know. Yeah. I've been uh, tossing that idea around. So you, you're not the first person to bring that up on this podcast. I, I was, <laughs> really? A couple, couple weeks ago, I had a musician from uh, Los Angeles that said that mm-hmm. she decided a week earlier that her and her husband, yeah, her and her husband were going to move to Austin, Texas mm-hmm. just to get out of California. <laughs> That's a night. Austin is nice. I yeah. really like Austin. Yeah. And then I've had a few musicians that they they moved out of New York, but they moved to New Jersey. Like that just doesn't <laughs> seem like a big. Like I mean, I don't know the difference between New York or New you Jersey. Still, uh, l- more space. Okay. <laughs> Let's just say that more space. 
Um, not, New Jersey has some really expensive parts, just like New York, but yeah. you have space and, you know, you still have access to the city. So I get it. I don't know. I, I don't know if Jersey, Jersey is an option. Uh, I don't think further north is going to be an option for me because mm. I don't like the cold. <laughs> so, <laughs> and um, I don't know that that that's been the idea though that I've been kind of tossing around. Just you know, New York is is ooh, New York. I love it, but it's a lot. Yeah, uh, it's a lot. I- I, I have several friends that have been through New York, lived in New York, and mm. it, it's it's. A and I've lived here for a good good amount of time. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, it's been over twenty years. I moved back to New York in ninety seven. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time because it is Sunday morning, and okay. all that stuff. So <laughs> I got two more questions I'm going to ask you. Sure. I'm going to ask one off the random question generator, or we can ask a little bit more aspirational question. Which one do you want to go first? Oh, all right. Let's do the random. Let's, let's go with it. All right. Yeah. So I got the uh, random question right here. <laughs> what movie have you stood in line to see opening night? Oh my gosh, I'm not a movie. <laughs> this is a bad question for me. I'm not really a movie, but well, actually, no. I would, I would probably have to say. Uh, if you want to redo, we can do a redo. Yeah, let's do a redo. Okay, all right. I got, I got you. I got you. This one's a little bit more of a direct question. Okay. Would you rather win an Olympic medal, Academy Award, or Nobel Peace Prize? Oh, I probably would want to win a Nobel Peace Prize. That signifies to me that I would be on my humanitarian duties and it would would be worth it. Okay. Nobel Peace Prize. Awesome. (laughs) When I saw that one, when I saw you were struggling with the other one, I uh, just swiped it again really quick and I saw that one pop up. I'm like, this will be a little bit more of a direct question for you. (laughs) All righty. Oh, and then the final question as always, I, you you mentioned that you've been all around the world and you've mm. played in a lot of different places. Is there any place that you haven't played yet that you would really like to check off the bucket list? Oh, boy. Um, I, well, I, would, I have to go back to all of those places, though, because as okay. a solo artist, it's different. Okay. Yeah. So that that's my final answer. All the places I've been to. You want to go back? Awesome. I want to go back to. Yeah. Awesome. All right. I dig it. <laughs> uh, and then uh, anybody that wants to check out the uh, new EP when it drops or just kind of keep track of anything you got yeah. going on, where's the uh, best place keep, to do that? Uh, well, they can always look up my website, which is thekikiexperience.com. Mm-hmm. Or they can find me on Instagram at the Kiki experience or Facebook, the Kiki experience and Twitter is slightly different. That's just Kiki experience. So you can find me all of those places and uh, yeah, connect with me, connect with me and leave your email address too. So I can let you know, add you to my email list and let you know when the EP is coming out. 
Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. Out of all the socials that you're on, which one do you prefer? What do you find the most enjoyable? Um, I actually, I actually like Instagram. Okay. I really do. But you know, people keep telling me I need to get a TikTok, and I'm just like, I don't want to open up one more account. <laughs> so here, here's the thing, because I've just recently started getting into TikTok a little bit okay. deeper. I get lost in TikTok, and it's just like <laughs> I'll sit there, like. It's like the like I enjoy laughing and having a good time. Right. And so like when I get there and I see something that's funny, it's like, oh, and I'll watch it like three times and I'll swipe, go to the next one. Uh-huh. Next one. And before I know it, I wasted an hour and a half. Right. TikTok is funny. I, I mean, I catch a couple of the reels, but I just don't have an account. I, I haven't brought myself to open another account. So I, I have to say right now, Instagram yeah. is probably... Well, Honestly, Instagram's set up in a lot of the same ways that TikTok is. It has more features, okay. but it also has the Instagram reels or whatever. Okay. And okay. So I, I would say Instagram's a nice like combination of Instagram being authentically itself, but it brings mm-hmm. in uh like Facebook aspects and then it brings in TikTok. Yeah, because those two emerge together now. Yeah. So yeah. Okay. So I, I think Instagram's <laughs> a nice solid social media platform. Yeah, it is. It is. It's cool. And, and I, you know, I try not to be on any social media platform too often. Yeah. So I kind of get on, get off, you know, I got to keep it balanced. Completely you can get lost in it, as you just said. (laughs) Like last night I was sitting here, I was prepping for this interview and somebody, or an alert came up on TikTok and I was like, okay, let me watch this. It is like it's the stupidest video, but this girl uh, like reenacts like comedic uh, stand-up comedy uh-huh. uh, like uh-huh. jokes or whatever. And I'm just sitting there watching it. And I was like, "Oh, this is so funny!" And then I lost an hour and a half of my life into it. <laughs> See, so it's easy, it's especially when the reels are funny. Oh yeah. my gosh, it's easy. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, man. But that's where people can find me, though. Awesome. Awesome. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute blast. Thank Can't wait. Uh, Kiki experience the EP coming soon. We'll, we'll, yes. we'll keep you updated as it comes out. And as a, as you kind of solidify a date, make sure you let us know and we can uh, help you promote it and whatever we can do to, for that. Um, thank you. And then once again, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you everybody for tuning in and we will catch you guys later. Yay. Bye everyone. <laughs> Awesome. We are good. Thank you.